Well, love is in the air. And apparently cold germs, too. So if I don't shake your hand this morning, it's not because I'm being unloving. I just don't want to share the experience. And likewise, if you want to create a biohazard zone around me, I won't be offended. But not only is love in the air, it's uh, also in all the stores, right? Because you go to any store today and you'll see the reminders. It's Valentine's Day this week. And so they want to give you some suggestions on how to express your love. Buy this candy, buy these flowers. And in fact, if you listen to some commercials, they'll tell you about some special deals they have going on that you can really express your love in an affordable way. So I guess love is the topic this week. So let's make it the topic of our message today. Loving God. We'll do so following our our series of messages entitled Real People, where we look at somebody from the scriptures and see how that's real life. We see our own life reflected in them. But then also hear about our real God. Loving God. We'll use the words of our Lord Jesus that we just heard a few minutes ago where he encouraged us to love God. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now when I hear the word strength and think of it in connection with the Bible, I often think of this person from the Bible, Samson, that guy who lived in the Old Testament. Uh, he lived uh, between the, the time of Moses, who brought the people out of you know, Egypt and settled them in the land of Canaan, and the time of David. So it's maybe 1,300, 1,200 years before Jesus came. During that time, the people of Israel are living in Canaan, but they didn't have any set ruler. They lived under some regional rulers who were called judges. But those people were more like military generals not the guys wearing the black robes with the gavel. Well, Samson was given a specific job by God. He was to be dedicated in his life to relieving the people from the oppression they were experiencing at the hands of a neighboring country, the Philistines. Uh, Several hundred years later, we hear about one of those famous Philistines, the giant Goliath. Samson was to begin that work. And and what we hear about Samson is that he's a man of great strength. But when we look closely at his story, we see that he didn't love God with that strength or following the words of Jesus, nor with his heart or his mind and maybe not his soul either. So let's take a look at the life of Samuel, and what we're going to note is he was a man who was looking for love in all the wrong places and was expressing it in all the wrong ways. Let's use Jesus' words as a way to examine Samson's life and our life too. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That is, with all your your passion." Certainly, Samson was a a man of passion. When he was born, the angel of the Lord told his parents that he was to be dedicated to the Lord, set apart for serving the Lord. 
by living what was called the Nazarite vow. Now, that meant, of course, following all the commands of God, but in particular, it meant he was not to have any strong drink. He was not to touch anything that was dead, whether human or animal, and he wasn't to cut his hair. By living in that way, he was showing all sorts of other people he was dedicated to a specific purpose in serving the Lord. Now, Samson was raised with that thought by his parents, but when he became a young man and was kind of uh, independent, he fell in love. What I call love by first sight, not love at first sight, because he simply saw this gorgeous Philistine woman and said, I want to marry her. He didn't even talk to her. He didn't even get to know her. He just saw how beautiful she was, and that was his woman. And so he goes back to his parents, and he tells his parents, this is the woman I want to marry. I want you to arrange that wedding. Now his parents reminded him that he was dedicated to the Lord, and that it was wrong for him to marry somebody outside of the Israelite community, because God had given specific instructions that they were not to marry somebody outside of their faith. But Samson did not want to follow the advice of his parents. He was in love, and he was determined to marry this woman. So he sets off to marry her. Now, in those days, uh, they had a big wedding feast that would last for several days. And part of the wedding uh, uh, entertainment was not some guy with an accordion playing polkas. It was uh, having a series of contests with riddles. And Samson came up with a riddle that he posed to the Philistine guests, and he waged a little bet with them. He said, I'll give you seven days. If you can solve the riddle, then I will give you 30 sets of clothing. That was a wealthy gift to give in those days. And if you can't solve it, then you owe me 30 sets of clothing. Well, those Philistines worked on Samson's wife, who was a Philistine. And they convinced her that she needed to find out the answer to that riddle. So she turned on the waterworks. <laughs> and, and this is what it says in the scripture. She came to him and she said, You really don't love me, do you? You hate me because you're not telling me the answer to the riddle. And Samson gave in. And he told her the answer to the riddle. And she told it to her Philistine buddies. And they gave the answer to Samson. And he was mad. He was angry now. That was what was in his heart. He was angry at them for solving that riddle. In fact, he, uh, he said this to them. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Now, He's referring to his wife as a heifer. Not a smart thing to do, okay? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if he would have had trouble finding Valentine's Day cards, you know, that talked about your wife as a heifer. Uh, but what he meant was, you were not treating me or playing fair. And so he was very upset. And so he knew he had to follow through and pay the bet, so here's what he did. He went out and killed 30 men, took their clothes, and gave it as payment for his bet. He was so ticked off at his wife that he left her and he went back home. So he was filled with a lot of passion, wasn't he? 
revenge, to kill. But then there was even more. He wanted to come back to his wife. So it says, Samson went back with the gift of a goat. Now I know sometimes you laugh at the gifts that I get my wife, but I've got to tell you, my frying pans definitely are better than a goat. And he goes back to win his wife back to him, only to find out that her father married her off to some other guy. And so now he's really ticked off. So he captures 300 foxes, ties their tails together in pairs, attaches torches to them, and sends them out into the wheat fields, the olive groves, and the vineyards, and burns everything down. There went their whole economy and source of food. Boy, what was in his heart, huh? Such anger, such passion. Is that loving with the heart? His heart for women would mislead him in other ways, too. Later on, we hear he sees a beautiful woman who's a prostitute, and he spends time with her. And then later on in his life, he sees another beautiful woman, another Philistine. Doesn't marry her, but just lives with her. And she would be his final downfall. Loving God with your heart. Here's what we can learn from Samuel's life. When we follow our passions instead of God's purpose, we're going to be led into sin. It was very evident in Samson's life. It wasn't love. It was lust. What drove him in his heart was this passion for being on top, for getting even with people. Revenge is what he wanted. And that was all sin. Don't we see some of that today in people's lives, maybe our own lives? The drive for, for, for sex, looking for love in all the wrong places, for power, exerting control over people. There's no blessing there. Rather, we should learn this. To make God's desires the desire of our heart. Here's how the Apostle Paul encourages us in 1 Thessalonians 4. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. And now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that is set apart for God, dedicated to Him, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul encourages us to live a life of love in everything we do, just as God has loved us. When he writes this in Ephesians 5, 
Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's loving God with all your heart. Now Jesus said we should also love God with our mind. He told us that from the heart proceeds proceeds all of our thoughts and our actions. And so let's see how it is that we should love God with our mind. And and we can take a look at at Samson's life and and get some lessons from him. Let's go back to his choice in in wanting to to marry this Philistine woman and all the other choices that he was making about women. What was he thinking, right? I mean, he had a clear word of God that said they were not to intermarry with others. A clear word of God that condemned sexual activity outside of marriage. Why did he do what he did? Well, he tells us what he did and why. But she is the right one in my eyes. And that was kind of the attitude of the day. Everybody was doing what they thought was right in their own eyes. And look what it did. Look what it brought him. In fact, remember how he said he went back to win his wife back? And he was so upset over the fact she was married off that he burned down all their fields? You know what that did? Or why he did that? He tells us to get even. He said, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I am going to really harm them. But getting even is not our right. God said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, not you. In fact, if we look to see what he was doing, it it had a negative effect. Sure, he was called by God to get the people out from that oppression from the Philistines, but not by taking revenge. Revenge is not obedience. In fact, it simply brought more trouble and more killing. After after uh, Samson burned down all their fields, the Philistines got mad at him. And they found out exactly why he was mad and what his intentions were to get that woman back. So what did they do? They burned the woman and her father. That killing just led to more killing. Anger over obedience. It's what was in his heart, and it took over his mind. Well, he retaliated some more then. He simply slew more Philistines. And then, not being satisfied, he began to just pout and sulk, and he went off and he lived in a cave for a while. I guess that's what men do, (laughs) live in a cave. So what do we learn from Samson's life? When we think that our ways are better than God's ways, we will fail. It was interesting to read through the story of Samson and notice how many times it talked about him talking or not talking. He was pretty loose with his lips about giving away answers to riddles, later on about giving away what he thought was the secret to his strength. He was telling all the wrong things to the wrong people. And then when he should have said the right things, 
He was silent. For example, one time he had killed a lion. He went back to that lion's carcass and found that there was honey now in there from some bees that swarmed in there. And he reached in for that honey. He was touching a dead carcass against his vow. But he takes that honey and shares it with his parents, now making them unclean as well. But he never said anything about it. Because he just thought, well, this is the right thing to do. Samson just seemed to disregard all the warnings that were made very clear to him. Do we do that too? Do we maybe ignore God's clear messages and commands to us and want our ways to be God's ways? Now, the book of Proverbs wasn't written yet. It wouldn't be for a few hundred years, but there are some excellent Proverbs in there that describe exactly what was going on in Solomon's heart and mind. Here's one of them. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And another. The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. So what should we learn to do? Trust God's ways. Listen to his word. See the direction that he's pointing you in and lean on his wisdom and not yours and follow his ways and be blessed. That's what the Proverbs also encourage us to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you on the right paths. Trust God. Love him with all your mind. Well, and from our heart and from our mind comes, of course, our actions, our abilities and strength. How do we use them? How did Samuel, Samson rather, use his strengths? Well, he was supposed to be leading the people. But the Israelites were so upset and fearful, both of him and the Philistines, they wanted nothing to do with him. And so they wanted to confront him about what he was doing and get him to stop. But fearing him, they didn't just send a small delegation. They sent 3,000 men to talk to him. They convinced him to surrender to the Philistines. So he said, okay, tie me up and I'll let them kill me. They tied him up and he goes out to the Philistines. He then breaks his rope and grabs the jawbone of a donkey, another dead carcass, breaking his vow, and slays a thousand men. And what does he do? He just starts boasting about all the great things he can do with his strength. He says, With a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. And all throughout the recorded life of Samson, we never hear him mentioning the Lord. We never hear any prayers from him to the Lord as a leader. In fact, it doesn't even seem he's leading the people. He's just doing everything all by himself. What can we learn from this? 
When we live in ways to simply serve ourselves, we're going to lose. Whether it is with the passions of our heart or the way we think about things and then how we act, if it's not following the will of God, we're going to lose. Now, sometimes the things that we choose to do match up with what God wants us to do. But we may not have approached it from that way. We may have purely been thinking about, well, what do I want to do? What's best for me? And that's what I'm going to do. And we don't think, you know, what does God want me to do? And that is simply a course for disaster. Our Lord Jesus said, whoever loves his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. So maybe there are some decisions that are facing you. You know, maybe looking for a job or, or looking for a school or, or making some other decision in your life. And maybe you're simply thinking, well, here's what I need and here's what I would like to do and, and here's how it's going to benefit me. And you're not thinking, what does the Lord want me to do? What's right for me in his eyes and what's right in regard to other people around me? You know, Samson made some bad decisions that had an effect on other people. He wasn't thinking about that. He was just thinking about what was it all for himself. Listen, we have not been called to build up ourselves. We've been called by God to build up one another. And so the way we live our life needs to be done in accordance with God's will. And so we have the encouragement then to work to live with all of our being, with all of our strength, as we are doing it in a way to honor the Lord. That's what the Apostle Paul encourages us when he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So just stop and examine, how are you spending your time? Is it a ways just to please yourself, or do you think, is this what God wants me to do, and how does it affect others? How do you handle your money? What do you do with your abilities? Is it all things just to advance yourself, or are you thinking, what does God want me to do, and how does this affect others? In the decisions that you make, in the opinions that you share, do you think about, How is this affecting others, or is it just all about me? Quite a challenge, isn't it? Quite a challenge to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, our being. When we have a world that's pulling us in different directions, when we have the devil who's pushing us to go in different directions, and a sinful nature that just loves to go in any direction other than the one God wants, what can we do? Love God with all your soul. But poor Samson, he wasn't doing that. He didn't live his vow out. He boasted only about himself. He only did things that were right in his own eyes and his own mind. He failed to recognize the Lord in his life, and he lost his life. Later on, he would fall in love again with another Philistine woman and live with her, not in marriage. And she was 
ordered by her Philistine countrymen to find out what was the secret behind his strength. And finally, he told her. He said it was in his hair. Oh, Samson, don't you get it? It was from God and not your hair. So when he was sleeping one night, she cut his hair. And he lost his strength. And then he was captured. This man who used his eyes to gaze at women, at women had his eyes gouged out. This man who was so strong and boasted of it was now made to use his strength to grind up grain for the enemy. This man who was a show-off simply became a sideshow that the Philistines could laugh at him. But there was still hope. One day as he was made to be a sideshow act in the temple of the heathen god Dagon, who was a half-fish, half-man god, he prayed this one line, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. So you see, in his weakness and his blindness, he finally saw what his real strength was and what the light was, and he appeals to the Lord, the faithful God. And God did give him strength back so that he was able to push the pillars of that temple, collapse the temple, killing himself and many others. But he had trusted finally in God. So we learn that when we trust in ourselves instead of our God, we will only fall into temptation, as Samson did. Rather, we are to trust in God above all things, to recognize that our strength, our being, our salvation, all comes from Him. It's like the psalmist, the Proverbs say, In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Blessed are we when we trust in the God of unfailing love. And therein, my friends, is the big lesson. You see, what amazes me about Samson is that in the New Testament, there is a reference to him. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, that we call the Heroes of Faith chapter, he's listed as a hero of faith. And we might wonder, how can a man who lived in such an unloving, self-serving way be a hero of faith? Because in the end, he trusted the unfailing love of God. The big lesson here is that maybe we're like Samson too, where we have been looking for love in all the wrong places and showing it in all the wrong ways. Maybe we tend to follow more the passions of our heart than the will of God. Maybe we want to take our ways and our thoughts and tell God that's how it should be. Maybe we want to use our strength and our abilities only for serving our own self instead of the will and purpose of God. Like Samson, our love has been misdirected. And we're looking for love in all the wrong places. It's true what the psalmist says. Then many are the woes of the wicked. This is true too. But the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Let me tell you about the Lord's unfailing love. 
about the greatest love story that's demonstrated in the strength of God through the power of the cross. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless because of sin, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's the Lord's unfailing love that saves us. For God loved this world so much, he gave up his own son, sending him into this world to live that perfect love, life of love that we cannot live. He lived it for us, and now it's ours by faith in him. Then he took upon himself the guilt for all of our misguided love, for all of our sins. He took that guilt and the punishment for our sins upon himself so that we won't experience the wrath and punishment of God. Instead, we just have God's love. And God says, that is how I see you. I I say you are innocent of all your sins. You've been washed clean by the blood of my Son. It's that unfailing love of God that saves us. And blessed are we when we trust in that. Therefore, we will love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength. Okay, maybe there's love in the air, but better than that, there's love in here because God dwells in us. Amen.